It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. This Sacramento Kings offseason is important to say the least, and there are a lot of questions still needing to be answered. To try and make sense of those questions, I am joined by Damian Barling, Sacramento Sports Radio and podcast host, the D-Lo, and D-Lo and KC will join me to talk about Luke Walton remaining head coach of the Sacramento Kings, the likelihood of Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley being traded, what to do with this year's draft pick, and whether or not Rashawn Holmes is worth the four years, $80 million that he is asking for. It's all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January all the way through to December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word, you'll get 15% off of your next order. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. And I'm fortunate to have co-workers, colleagues, friends here in the Sacramento media scene, all very well versed in the pain and suffering of following the Sacramento Kings for the last 15 years. And Damian Barling provides a very unique perspective that I know Sacramento enjoys. He has an affiliation with the Kings. He enjoys the Kings, wants the Kings to succeed but does a much better job of remaining emotionally detached from the team than I do, to say the least. I always love having D'Lo on, talking with him. His perspective is very unique, very different. I look forward to sharing it with you today on the show. And I opened up our conversation asking Damien about whether or not he felt the Kings announcing Luke Walton would remain the head coach of the team right away this offseason was a positive thing or not. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's not something that you can have linger out there. And it's kind of a fascinating offseason right now, given that. And this is a, this is a certainly a good thing. It's just an unusual thing. Like, no coaches have been fired. You know, like there was, uh, you know, Lloyd Pierce was fired earlier in, in, in the season. Nate, Nate McMillan seems to have a firm grasp of that job in Atlanta. And I think that was reported as much earlier this week. We know that. Uh, you know, David Vanderpool stepped away from from the Minnesota Timberwolves, but that that you know that coaching vacancy was filled right after it was made vacant. You know, during the season, not with an interim coach, but with a full time coach. So, you know, the, the, oh, there's only a couple of jobs to watch, and in, in in they're both like stretches in that uh, Terry Stotts and and he he was reportedly in a precarious position with the. Uh, with the Portland trailblazers, I won't believe that until I actually see it. And the same with, with Mike Budenholzer in Milwaukee. So it's fascinating that, you know, normally that's kind of the dark part of the beginning of the off season and it didn't happen. And certainly Luke Walton felt like he was a prime candidate for that. And I do think it's the, 
you know, Kenny and I would go back and forth about this, about, you know, the things that need to be addressed and what was important. And it was like, we have to understand the first thing that has to be dealt with is whether Luke Walton is coming back or not. And I didn't agree with the decision to bring, bring him back, but I also said, I trust I've trusted Monty in the decisions that he make. Like I, I love, obviously Tyrese Halliburton was a tremendous draft pick and I love what he did at the trade deadline. And, you know, we saw those trade deadline guys busting their ass in the final, you know, two and a half weeks of the season or whatever it may be. So if I'm going to believe in Tyrese and I'm going to believe in what he did at the trade deadline, then I have to believe in his idea to bring Luke Walton back as the head coach. There are things that I didn't particularly love about him, but the fact that they came out there on that Monday after the season was over and said, nope, Luke Walton is our head coach. And the fact that they both addressed the media the very next day and Monty said, my expectations are we get to the playoffs. And I believe Luke Walton is going to be the guy who can do that. That takes all of the guesswork out of the off season. It's not, where we've got to develop Tyrese or we've got to do this or we got to do that. Like, no, we we've done enough of enough of that. It's failed every time. The goal is to make the playoffs or, and I guess we need to rephrase this. The goal is to make the postseason, and the goal to make the postseason begins right now. I thought it was, I thought it, I, I, I was, I was appreciative of that being handled the way that it was so quickly. And the fact that those two guys addressed it the next day, I thought was even better. You talked a little bit there about, Monty McNair almost committing to Luke Walton and 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 in a way Luke Walton is now essentially McNair's hire like I think that's it's it's a safe way in a way to look at it McNair going forward Luke Walton is now 100% his responsibility the excuse of hey I inherited this coach is now for the most part gone at least in my mind but mm-hmm. Damian there's always hesitation with me and there will be until this ownership group proves otherwise I'll always be hesitant to 100% believe that the major decisions being made are completely the decisions of the general manager. Uh, Sean Cunningham was the guy to ask during the press conference with McNair, hey, was this at all influenced by finances? Because there's two more years left on Luke Walton's uh, contract. We know Sacramento Kings minority owners are tired of paying coaches. The Kings have had a long list of coaches that they've paid while paying their current head coach, plus the financial impact of COVID. So that would be a very big reason for a team to say, you know what, we're going to at least ride it out one more year. Now, McNair tried to shut that down as quickly as he could, said, look, I've had every financial uh, asset that I've needed so Mm -hmm. far in the job. And I want to believe him 100%, but there's always going to be that hesitation there with this ownership group. Am I alone in that? Do you have that hesitation as well? Or can we only take McNair at his word? I want two different questions there. One, you're very much not alone. Uh, two, no, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I, I I'm not going to pretend to be the, like the most connected person to the Kings organization, meaning I'm, you know, lurking around executive meetings or different things like that. But I, I got to believe that the ownership group, as you mentioned, it wants to win. And the goal is to win. And I, if if that is Monty McNair as the general manager, you've got to let Monty McNair make general manager decisions. That's what you're paying him for. And by the way, not only are you paying Monty McNair general manager money, you're also playing Vladi general manager money. Yep. So you might as well let the guy you hired to do the job do the actual job. And I know it's kind of, you know, Jason Jones, I think, once coined the term on our show post-traumatic stress disorder where you know you 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 get hung up in the way that kings used to do things or the way that 
you rumors that you've heard in the past or are things that we have seen manifest themselves like the Joe Dumars thing makes everybody nervous. Oh, cause we, we saw what Joe did to Vlade. We saw what Vlade did to Pete. Anytime there's a special advisor hanging around or every time there's this unique title hanging around, it makes everybody uncomfortable. And the fact is, you know, if, if that was the way in the past and I'm not even sold on the fact that it was, but if that was a way of the past where it wasn't the general manager making general manager decisions, I do think that is the thing of the past because I have to believe that Vivek in particular and some of the higher ups in, in the King's management organization or in some of Vivek's, uh, some of the people in Vivek's inner circle, they've got to know this. We're on the verge. You know, the Kings are already a, a joke. We're on the verge of being a historic joke. And you don't, you can't be that guy. Like you've, you, you've, you've, you did a great thing here with the city. You did a great thing here with the arena. Now get the hell out of the way and let the basketball people do their job. And I'm of the belief that that's what happens. I think there's infighting within the ownership group. Uh, I don't think it's an accident. Oh, I don't know how to phrase this. I, you can always tell when someone on lower in the ownership group starts to, you know, poke their head out and call their favorite media people. And it's played out like it happened. It happened within days of Monty McNair getting the job. And it was never written about again. It was like a throwaway line, I think, in a Sam Amick column. And I don't even think Sam gave it a ton of credence. He just he mentioned it, I'm sure, because it was brought up to him and it was kind of left out at that. And I don't think there was ever any credence to that, you know, put in put into that line again. And so it kind of gets tiring. And at some point, we've just got to stop giving that stuff attention. Just let it ride until there's some irrefutable evidence that, yeah, this organization isn't being run by this basketball organization isn't being run by Ron, Monty McNair. Because right now that evidence doesn't exist. I, so I'm believing that Monty's doing the job. I agree. I, I, I want to believe that too, for sure. It's, it's always lingering though in the back of your mind, how much power sure. does he really have? Especially when we, at least we believe that Monty McNair is the lowest paid general manager in the NBA to this point. At least I've heard conversations or rumors of that. I've never seen anything definitive uh, to suggest that, but I, I know that's been talked about before. But you uh, had... George Carl, former Sacramento Kings head coach, legendary head coach, George Carl on your radio show recently. I had George Carl on Locked On Kings around a year ago. And one of the things I talked about with George was just his experience dealing with that ownership group. And then when Vlade was an advisor before he became the general manager and pushed uh, D'Alessandro out. And one of the things that, that George said that really stood out to me is he talked about how he would be sitting around a, a table. And I picture like this giant Sacramento Kings meeting room where the table itself is polished and purple and everybody Mm -hmm. is just sitting there arguing over what the Sacramento Kings uh, should do and George and his assistants are trying to make input and share what they think from their years of basketball experience and they're being overruled by guys like Vivek or his advisors or maybe even his son and then you pair that with an interview that Vivek did on Sports 1140 KHDK, and he talks... Never heard of it. <laughs> it's this other station in town that uh, that, oh, okay. that is trying to be like ESPN 1320, I'm sure, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, he's doing an interview on that radio station, and he talks about the process of having so many different people, Joe Dumars, his son, himself, involved in the interview process to find the general manager that would become Monty McNair. And one of the things he said that stood out to me, and I think it was a throw line he just said you know there's no such thing as as a bad opinion and 
that blew my mind based off of the years uh, that he has had here in Sacramento. I think that's been the problem. There have been too many bad opinions, and they've decided to go with the ones from the non-basketball minds instead of the basketball minds. So I'm hoping that's a thing of, a pa- of the past and that Monty McNair can change that. But it's hard to believe that a first-year general manager is going to just outright completely get that respect. I hope he has it. Yeah, that's in 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 George brought something similar to us. We 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 kind of made the decision, you know, George Carl had tweeted after the Kings were officially eliminated, you know, from playoff playing postseason contention that, you know, when you have a streak like this, sometimes you you there's only one place that you can look. And so I quoted that tweet to him and I read it to him and we made the decision like let's talk about basketball, let's talk about some other things. You know, we could talk about Rick Adamant. I don't want to focus on stuff that happened here 7 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I would, or however many years ago it was, but I would like to bring that particular line up to him because I'm curious what he thought. And I know that George, George Carl gets a, a, a bad rap here, but I thought his answer was very well thought out. And I thought it was very thorough. And in essence, all he said was, you've got to have the support of everybody in the organization. And there are so many different departments from analytical departments to sports medicine departments to uh, cap departments to this department, to that department. But the idea is to all make the basketball team better. And the coach is, you know, kind of the liaison from all of that other stuff to the players, but we should all be working with the same mission and the basketball, the, the coaches and the players should all have the support of all of those other departments And many times in Sacramento, it feels like all of those departments have their own opinions and they wind up fighting with each other and nothing happens to benefit the actual players and the coach. And he used that also as a way of, of, of talking about Luke Walton and that he thinks Luke Walton deserves an opportunity with a front office that backs him uh, to be able to be a, a head coach. And, um, you have no idea whether that stuff is actually going to happen. And I, I greatly disagree with Vivek. There are all sorts of bad opinions, right? Um, it doesn't mean you can't share them. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean you can't speak up in a meeting. It doesn't can't. I mean, I've probably spouted a poor take on a radio show before or a poor opinion before. Yeah. There is a such thing as a, a, a bad opinion. Uh, you don't have to listen to every opinion that's thrown at you. You can give more credence to some, than the other. And you really don't need all those voices in your head. You don't need all those voices in the meeting. You need a very, very limited number of people uh, to help you determine who should be running this organization. He had those people around. They decided that Monty McNair was going to be the guy to run the organization, the, at least the basketball portion. Let him run it. Because there's a reason that you hired him. Because if you keep inserting yourself into conversation after conversation after conversation, to me, all you're doing is show the, showing that you doubt yourself. Like if I hired Matt George to do something, I'm hiring Matt George because I believe in him and I'm not going to, you know, sit over your shoulder. Yeah, no, nah, Matt, don't do that. No, 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 Matt. You know what? If, if it gets to that point, forget it, Matt, just let me do it. Right. That means I'm in full doubt of, of my execution and what I'm doing. And, and that's a reflection on me more than it is anything else. And if Monty doesn't work, it's just the latest reflection on this organization. To me, it's a lot less about Monty and a lot more about this organization. 
I'm very glad you said that because I agree 100%. Whereas if Monty McNair doesn't work out, and a lot of him working out, I think, is going to happen this offseason with the goals that he and Luke Walton have set upon themselves. Now, if the Kings fail next season and miss the playoffs, I think Luke Walton is probably gone. I don't believe Monty McNair would be following him out the door. I think that's way too short of a tenure. But at the same time, too, with this failure, there's there are enough... There's enough uh, savvy fan uh, response here in Sacramento to understand that the problem is not, oh, it's just the wrong general manager again or the wrong head coach again. There's There's been one consistent, unfortunately, over the last eight, hopefully not nine years uh, that the Kings will have to change. But at least we're all in agreement that everything that happens this uh, offseason will be uh, immediately, I guess, analyzed, sometimes overanalyzed under a microscope and all that attention will be put right onto the resume of Monty McNair, number one. Uh, mm-hmm. And number two is, I think we all are in agreement that even though head coach Luke Walton is staying and the Kings decided to stay put there, they can't afford to just run this group back in the hopes that maybe if they stayed healthy or under a normal year with more practice days, that this team can actually get the job done. I, I don't believe that one bit. I think a lot of people share that opinion with me. If you don't, uh, feel free to correct me uh, and, and share that. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, the one thing that we, we've noticed that Kenny and I have noticed on ESPN is a lot of people have said similar things. And when I say a lot of people, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, people connected like like James Ham, e- even though James Ham ec- echoes this sentiment or or Deuce and Mo, who absolutely echo this sentiment. You know, Mark Jones, who who was around the team for for the first time this year, but he still spends. Obviously, he's still working. He spends his time all around the National Basketball Association. We should talk with Mark Spears uh, this week. Hell, George Carl said the same thing. The team's not terribly far away. The Western Conference is tough. It's going to be difficult to make that jump. But when you've got guys like De'Aaron, you've got guys like Tyrese, you've got to you've got to make the right moves. You've got to make the right tweaks. It's not a complete roster overhaul. It's not a blow-it-up situation. It's a who out there can we add? And it's probably not the number nine pick in the draft. Who out there can we add that would make an immediate impact Next year. And this is where Monty McNair has got to get creative. This is where Monty McNair has got to work the phones. This is where Monty McNair has to work his contacts throughout the league. This is where he's got to work with his buddies across the league. This is where he has to find out potentially about a situation that we don't know about. We've been blowing up teams left and right on D'Lo and KC. Man, I hope it hits the fan with Nick, Nate Bjornsson in the, in the in the Indiana Pacers. Why? Well, Monty could circle around. Hey, what y'all doing with Sabonis over there? We got to... We got something you might like. No, what about Miles Turner? We like Miles Turner. Not as much as we like Sabonis, but we like Miles Turner. We've got an offer for Miles Turner, but we've got an offer for Sabonis. You know what I mean? Hell, let Dallas continue to beat the Clippers. Oh, we'll figure out a way to get Paul George in Sacramento. You know, you, you, you've got to, because there are going to be other teams around the league who are looking to make that move or looking to get off money. You know, all of those those two situations that we just mentioned there are different. Another one we talk about a lot is Pascal Siakam. The Raptors, the Pacers, and the Clippers are all in very different situations. But you've got to monitor where each one of them are at because I think that's the type of that's the type of big fish you need. That's the type of whale that you need. That's the type of player that you need. You need an all-star player or at least an all-star caliber player. You need in the most simplest format that Kings fans can relate to, you need Chris Weber to come in here mm-hmm. 
and tie this whole thing back together. It was great to have Mitch and it was starting to click with Mitch, but it hit an entirely different level with Chris Weber. That's what we need. We need the Chris Weber here. And I don't know who it is. Like those are just the names that we've thrown out there and we've, we've put names on the list. We've taken names off the list. Uh, and this is, this is where Monty's got to work. This is where he's got to, he's got to bust his ass and, and, you know, be, be a general manager in the league, a big time general manager in the league. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brands that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts as a chain store or new car dealership. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based off of what the market will bear like airlines do for example. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I know absolutely nothing about cars. I've been recently going through some car trouble needed to replace the parts. The dealership was going to charge me way too much for it. I went onto rockauto.com. I got the part for $75 cheaper than what the dealership was asking for, not to mention the labor prices. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I spent a lot of time on my most recent Locked On Kings podcast talking about the possibility of trading the draft pick, this year's draft pick, assuming it stays at number nine, which is like a 40-something percent chance. If the Kings get lucky and move into the top four, well, hell, that, that pick just became a lot more valuable. And yes, you could potentially draft another young stud that might be able to have that Tyrese Halliburton level of effect in his first year, but it's far more likely you'll get the piece that can create the immediate change that you'll need by trading that draft pick. And I wonder by pairing that draft pick with a Buddy Heald in his contract or with a Marvin Bagley or with even a Harrison Barnes, if that will be enough to entice a team to give you that fringe or all-star talent that Monty McNair says that he wants to try and acquire. He said that in his first press conference with the Sacramento Kings. He also mentioned in his most recent press conference how they're going to continue to be aggressive. That was the word he used over and over again was Mm -hmm. aggressive this offseason, aggressively looking to make the right move. So, Damien, I'll, I'll, I'll give you these three names. I already kind of just shared them out there for you. Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley. If I were to have you in a, in a terrible radio bit, uh, mm-hmm. 
rank them in terms of most likely to still be a king and, and least likely to be a king, or most likely to be traded and least likely to be traded, uh, where what order would you put them in? Uh, most, I'll, I'll go from most likely to least likely, uh, Marvin Buddy Harrison. Okay. Um, but there's a caveat there in that I think the offers, you know, as we play fantasy GM here, I think offers will start with Buddy and a pick. Mm-hmm. Like Buddy and like hypothetically that number nine, right? Potentially Harrison in the number nine. But Bagley, I think, winds up being a throw-in piece if the deal is big enough. Like if it's a if it's a money thing and you need that $11 million to match the books, like for Siakam or Sabonis, and you need to kind of line up contracts there, you've got buddies, Harrison's declines, but you have, uh, you have Marvin's there to add the 11 million, the lore of y'all, you get a look at them. You know, maybe we didn't use them right. Maybe you guys could get something out of it. Maybe he just needs a fresh start. And then of course the, you know, hypothetical number nine pick here, but I think, I don't think Marvin and I know this is going to be a contentious conversation over the course of the next few months. I don't think Marvin is a king next year for, for, for multiple reasons. I think Buddy winds up being the most attractive trade asset because I do think people could say, well, we'll use him differently than Sacramento does, and we believe we could put him in a position to shoot, and our defense is good enough to mask him. Um, I think there's a variety of scenarios out there for those guys, but I, I I think Harrison starts the season as a king, though. I would certainly hope so. I think out of the three, Harrison is the one that's going to be most difficult to replace, uh, yeah. which which I think is a major factor as to why the Kings decided not to move on from him at the trade deadline. Also, of course, with the the plan that Monty McNair claims never changed, even though I'm still skeptical with that. I actually asked McNair about that at his press conference. This uh, the the term gap year that we heard used a mm, lot and, and McNair, great question and McNair answered with look we we have no idea where that term came from but we heard multiple reports that the Kings plan changed over the course of the year at least at this point in time D'Lo we know what the plan is next year and it can't change even if they want it to this team gets off to an 0 and 10 start the plan can't change it has to be playoffs or bust at this point because that's what they've said uh, so far at the beginning of this offseason and that is the the ruler that I'm measuring this team by uh, going forward, but I did want to ask you about Marvin Bagley returning, playing very well after his mysterious uh, <clears throat> trip home to rehab in Phoenix, then comes back, rejoins the team, looks really, really good, then unfortunately gets hurt again, ends the season. I think the Kings decided more to be precautionary there because I, I, I hope he would have been able to return and uh, be able to play, but I pretty easily this year separated Marvin from the what your co-host would call core core here in Sacramento <laughs> of uh, Tyrese Halliburton and, and uh, De'Aaron Fox. But yeah. did Marvin do enough in those handful of games that he played and succeeded at the end of the season? Because I thought, I mean, he showed growth yeah. in many areas defensively. He was getting his points in the flow of the offense, not being tunnel vision like we've seen in the past. He was even passing the ball better. Did he do enough there for Monty McNair and the Kings to go, Maybe just one more chance. Maybe we'll run it back one more time. Um, the, the answer to your question, definitively, yes. Did he do enough when he came back to 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 get that? Absolutely. But then he got hurt again, right? And and I understand all of these injuries that he's had has has had have been these kind of weird. And I don't even know what the injury wound up being. I don't remember if it was. 
I don't remember what happened to Marvin the last like his, time. It was but, his hand or something, right? He was gripping his hand. I think is all. Oh, so I so it was so okay. So it was still it was still the hand issue. Like all right, like that's 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 tough. Like he came back. He took. A, I mean, he was gone for a, a, a pretty lengthy period of time. I don't know, man. It's it's just tough because I feel like you get you get wrapped up like you get wrapped up in the, you know, the big performance against Indiana, the, the really good game against Dallas. Hell, his first game back against Los Angeles, he was tremendous off the bench. And then you're reminded a couple of days later, damn, he ain't even going to finish the season. He's going to miss the, you know, the next week and a half, two weeks or whatever it may be. And that's the frustrating part with Marvin. And you can look at it like, well, he's earned an opportunity. If Marvin's on the roster next year, I'm perfectly okay with it. It's $11 million. I'd like to see, you know, what else happens with, with, with the roster, but I'm, I have a, I'm perfectly okay. If, if Marvin is on the roster to start next year, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to rely on him. I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be hurt. I'm going to be like, Oh man, what a terrible story. If he comes out and he plays great for 10 games, 11 games, if he plays great for 25 games and then an injury sidelines him for the next six weeks, and then he comes back and maybe he plays great for, for, you know, he eases himself into it for, for two, three, four weeks or whatever it is. And another injury takes him out. I think one thing with, with Marvin that I get stuck on is now that we know that Luke Walton is going to be the head coach. I feel like with Marvin, you really just, I don't think Luke trusts Marvin. I agree. And and, and one thing that I I'll, I'll commend Luke for as frustrating as it can be for you and I is he in front of the media, whether it's genuine or not, but in front of the media, he really treats a lot of players with kids gloves. And I think there's a belief that Marvin to a certain degree needs to be treated with kids gloves because he had a, he's had a rough go. He was overdrafted. You know, he was taken in the spot and, and, you know, he'll never escape Luka Doncic. I mean, given the fact that what is it four of the top five picks of that draft are, they're still playing right now. Like he's the one that's not Jaron Jackson is playing. Uh, Trey Young is playing. Obviously, Luke is playing. DeAndre is having a breakout performance against the Phoenix, uh, excuse me, against the Los Angeles Lakers right now. So he kind of has all that on his shoulder. So I feel like Luke has always really protected in him. But if if I got Luke in a room with the microphone off and I said, hey, off the record, I'll never use it. Do you trust Marvin Bagley? I, I feel like his answer would be no, because I don't think he's ever shown any trust in Marvin Bagley. And I think one thing that has always bailed Luke out in that is because he's constantly coming back from an injury, you can frame him not playing in the fourth quarter. You can frame him playing 20 minutes as a minutes restriction. Oh, we're just being cautious. Oh, we're just monitoring this thing. Ah, oh, we don't want it to turn into something. It's nothing. And we don't want it to turn into something. That was a line that he used. I think at the beginning of the year when he missed his first game, it's nothing. And we don't want it to turn into something. So you come back and all of a sudden, oh, it's a minutes restriction. It's a minutes restriction. Well, when does the minutes restriction get broken? When he's playing really well. Mm-hmm. The two times Luke allegedly blew past these minutes restrictions, Marvin just happened to be having the two best games of the year for him. And so I, I've always been left with this feeling, if Luke is back as the coach, great. You probably should move on from Marvin Bagley because it really doesn't feel like these two go together. And I don't feel like Luke likes Mar- or l- likes is the wrong word. I don't feel like Luke trusts Marvin on the floor. 
The Sacramento Kings season may be over, but your chances to make money on betonline.ag are not. In fact, I'd argue maybe they got even better. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. With baseball season in full swing, the NBA playoffs going on right now, you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, all of your UFC, MMA action. Before the next pitch or tip-off, head to BetOnline on your lap laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. It's not just game lines and obvious winners or losers. There's a lot of fun prop bets as well, especially around both the NBA and NHL playoffs for you to make some money and enjoy doing so. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for an NBA Finals run. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCK on at bet online your online sportsbook experts today's locked on kings podcast is also brought to you by our friends from built bar built bar the best tasting protein bar ever what's your favorite built bar flavor Built Bar has nine of their delicious standard flavors, plus they have occasional limited time flavors from time to time that sell out almost as quickly as they show up. Those nine original flavors, though, are coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. And mint brownie is my absolute favorite. I encourage you to give it a try, even if you're not like a mint ice cream fan or just a mint fan at all. Give this bar a try and tell me it's not delicious. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And on top of being delicious and covered in 100% chocolate, Built Bars are healthy too. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs in most of their flavors. Order today. Get that raspberry, mint brownie, or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Two final things for you. Number one, according to James Ham, Rashawn Holmes is, and his camp are seeking four years, $80 million. Any chance in your mind that Rashawn gets that? It's tough to predict the free agency market for a big man in any year, let alone this year. But any chance he gets that, not just in Sacramento, mm-hmm. but anywhere in the league? I think so. Yeah, I think, I mean, and I, hey, I applaud that squad. That's the way you do it. You float that number out there and you see what happens. And then if you don't get it, you can say, it didn't come from us. Oh, where James Ham got that information from? Like, you know, you know, and you never really have to answer for it after a player signs for it. You know, the 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 uh, agent and management group don't have to answer for it. I think he's going to get good offers. I mean, when 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 Ham first told us that, I know he wrote about it too, but I'm just going to frame it as you need to listen to D'Lo and Casey on ESPN 1320 from 12 to 4, Monday through Friday. When he first told us that, it was, ooh, 20 per for Rashawn, huh? And then I started to think about it like, well... Okay. It's not the craziest contract in the world. I was thinking, you know, cause there's a point of no return. I think for the Sacramento Kings that 20 per year is absolute. Like they, I, I don't see how the Kings can do that unless they've, they've already made some other moves that involve either buddy and Bagley or Harrison right. and Bagley. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, Charlotte, Toronto, I, I think it's probably out there for him. It might be, I don't think it's, if it's lower, I don't think it's drastically lower. I always thought like, like peak, peak, like, Ooh, Marvin got that, or excuse me, Rashawn got that bag. I thought it would be 18 per year. And I thought, I even thought that was a stretch. I was like, ah, 
I really like Rashawn. Maybe my fandom is talking here a little bit, but 18 per year seems doable to me. So 20, yeah, I go for it. Shoot. If you get it, great. And I, I always felt like 15 was going to be the magical cutoff, not just for Rashawn, yeah. but especially for the Sacramento Kings. And even 15 might be difficult I, for them to come I up thought with. 15 was push, push, pushing it for the Kings right, too. Right, yeah. It's it's the, the absolute peak of their range, as they would call it. Well, uh, the, the last thing that I have for you is with the NBA playoffs going on right now, we're seeing some stellar performances from young players, whether it's Trey Young, how he uh, started his, uh, his playoffs <laughs> in the uh, in the Garden, uh, John Morant getting the Grizzlies through the play-in and even uh, yeah. one up on the Utah Jazz. Uh, hopefully Julius Randle can ball out for the New York Knicks. Uh, of course, Luka Doncic, what he's doing for the Dallas Mavericks. And I just wonder, and I think you've had a conversation with KC about this on your show, I just wonder if... If De'Aaron Fox, whether it was playing for the Kings or another team, if De'Aaron Fox was in their position, would we be talking about him the same way? Would he be balling out? And it just made me start thinking about how important it is for sooner than later De'Aaron to get that playoff exposure and opportunity. Yeah, I mean, John Morant is a is an easy comp. Um, but for me, I, I, I was using Devin Booker. Yeah. Like Devin Booker has, I mean, Devin Booker's always been really good. And Devin Booker's, you know, he's taken those those proverbial steps that we take for players. And my thing with Devin was always like, damn, some of you, some of you NBA people, you talk about him like he's a top 10 player. I don't think anybody ranked him as a top 10 player, but you talked about him like he was a top 10 player in the league, like he was one of these elite scorers. And I know he's good, but dang, like this team isn't in the playoffs. Like they're hell, most of the time they were below the Sacramento Kings. But now he's doing it in the playoffs. And now it's like, okay, he's a difference maker. So much to the point where, and this is a, a credit to DeAndre Ayton too, we hypothesized if if Chris Paul had to sit out game three, I don't think it's terribly far-fetched that Phoenix could catch L.A. Yep. without Chris Paul because of the way that Devin Booker, I don't know that they could win the series if Chris Paul missed the rest of the series. But if, if, if Monty Williams brought a scenario that said, guys, we've got to sit Chris Paul game three, but he's going to be back game four. And our sports medicine people say he's going to be better. Like he is going to be, you know, he he's, he's, he's 55% now, but he's going to be 85% if he gets these extra couple of days rest. I think Devin and, 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 and DeAndre uh, Ayton can go, can go steal one from the Lakers. And I think that's a credit to how great Devin Booker is. And it just exemplifies all of the work that he's already done. It just magnifies all of the work he's already done. He's been this good. But now he's doing it in the playoffs. Now he's doing it with major stakes. Now he's doing it on the biggest stage. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with De'Aaron once the Kings get to this moment. And I believe that they will. That it's going to be a recognition of, man, not only is De'Aaron good, De'Aaron's been good. And we're just now seeing it on the big stage for the first time. Well, we're praying to God De'Aaron will get that opportunity in a Kings uniform next yeah. season or, or hopefully not too uh, far in the future. Damon, I realized that I didn't do you justice both in the intro and just in your insane amount of titles. I talked about, of course, D'Lo and KC, but how could I fail to mention uh, the, the Hoopball Kings podcast with Jill Adge, who was also part of the roundtable recently, all the work that you do on the Be Heard podcast network. Uh, I even miss, I can't wait if you ever get the opportunity to bring back the uh, the Relive Wrestling podcasts. I miss those as well, the uh, the wrestling documentaries that you did, but you're always grinding, always working 
working, uh, throwing out that content, and still with your busy schedule, nice enough to uh, spend time away from the dogs and uh, join me on Locked on King. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Again, you, you said it earlier. You know me well. Uh, that's where my time would be spent. But, you know, I'm always happy to jump on this uh, and talk Kings with you. You're doing a great job with this podcast before. I told Matt before this, so I'm going to say it here since you always give me my roses here doing the show. You bust your ass on this podcast. And for anybody who ever desires to like host a podcast or latch on with a major podcast network like Locked On and cover your favorite team or whatever it may be, Matt George sets a really good model because whether basketball is being played, whether the Kings are being played, no matter what's happening out there, you continue to put out content. And that is one of the most difficult parts of being, you know, a person in local media is content, content, content. Like the Kings season is over. Our audience still wants to hear about Kings. We've got to find ways to present Kings to the audience. You do a great job of doing that multiple times a week. And you have absolutely, in my eyes, set a standard for the way everyone in the Locked On Podcast Network should follow, a, a standard that even we in the Hoopball Podcast Network uh, should follow as well. That's why you know, I couldn't do that podcast if it wasn't for Jill. Mm-hmm. Like the, the amount of time I talk about the Kings per day, the amount of work that we put in over there at ESPN 1320, you know, I've got mountains of work as, as, as soon as we wrap up here. If it wasn't for Jill, there is no way I could continue to do that hoop ball podcast. And she's the one who say, hey, we've got to get out there. We've got to talk Kings. We've, we've got to be honest. And hey, Matt George put out a podcast. Why can't you? Why can't we locked on, put out one, we need a hoop ball one. So you, you've, you've set the standard for the way that, 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 a, that a, a podcast should be done. You've done a tremendous job, man. And uh, keep busting your ass at it. You, you do great, great work. Those kind words from Damian Barling mean a lot, almost as much as his time coming here on the Locked On Kings podcast for you listeners. Check out his amazing podcast with Jill Adge for Hoop Ball. Also, check out all the phenomenal work he does daily on the radio in Sacramento, ESPN 1320. Uh, You can listen to him and KC every single day providing phenomenal Kings coverage, just general sports coverage. Also, their guest list is second to none that they get on that show, so go and check it out. That'll do it for today's Locked On Kings podcast. Plenty to respond to from today's conversation. If you want to, reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeRadio, or you can email me mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I'd love to discuss with you anything that Damien and I discussed, or if you have general Kings questions, playoff conversation, whatever it is, send it to me. I would love to get back to you. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.